Well, good morning, Redeeming Grace family. It is good to be here today, and after missing a Sunday last week, it is good to be back together. And uh, looking forward to our time in God's Word today, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, continuing our series here in Proverbs. We're going to be looking at verses 20 through 27 specifically today, Proverbs chapter 4, 20 through 27. As you make your way there, I want to begin reading in verse 20. These are the words Solomon inspired by the Holy Spirit. Beginning in verse 20, we read, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from your crooked speech, from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray together. Father, indeed, we ask now that you would help us be attentive to your word, that you would incline our ears to your sayings, to your truth, and that you would help us to keep them within our heart, that you would be praised, and that our lives would be changed. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Why do you think people do the things they do? I mean, we've all asked that question, haven't we? Not usually about ourselves, we're asking that about maybe a coworker or a boss. Why is he or she always that way? Maybe you ask that about your kids. Why are they always doing that? I think it's a good question to ask, but I think it's an even more helpful question to ask when we're turning it towards ourselves. Why is it that you do what you do? You know, we often go about our lives without thinking why it is we are doing something. We just do. But is that really how life works? You know, there's a lot going on in the background of our lives, our decisions, our attitudes, our words, our behavior. I know many of you work on base or connected to the base here and just think about the aircraft that so many of you are connected to or work with. I mean, would you say that about a plane? They just fly. Of course not. There are thousands of mechanical and technical things going on in the background causing the plane to do what it does, causing it to propel forward, to create lift, to stay airborne, and to eventually land. Well, I think our lives can be examined in a similar fashion. There's a lot going on in the background that leads us to do the things we do, to say the things we say, and to act the way we act. When we think about that from the Bible, there's a word that the Bible uses over 900 times that helps us get to the center of who it is we are, and it's, it's the heart. The heart. Everything that we are, everything that we do, think, say, feel, 
can all be traced back to the heart. I'm not talking about the organ that pumps blood through your body. It's not what the Bible's referring to when it refers to the heart. But really the core of who you are. The core of your character. The heart, we can say, is the control center of life. And here in Proverbs, we, we know that as we have been, and we'll continue to make our way through various Proverbs, there is this regular call for us to pursue wisdom, to gain instruction, to not, uh, to be called up, to not be caught up in folly or foolishness. This call to heed instruction, to follow after truth. But we must understand that behind this outward pursuit, this walk in wisdom, lies the internal control center called the heart. And I think that as we consider the importance of the heart from our text this morning, we're going to find how helpful it is for us to begin here. Some have said that Proverbs 4 is the most important Proverbs in the entire book, of the Proverbs in the entire book, because it traces back to ground zero who it is that we are at our core. And at its essence, the way that we live out our lives can be traced back to the heart. So I want us to see from Proverbs chapter 4 this morning, verses 20 through 27, I want us to see several important steps that we need to take regarding our heart. I think these are going to be helpful for us as we think about who it is we are down to our deepest core. Just getting, we need to get beyond behavior and external outward kinds of things and we need to go deep this morning into the core of who we are and what it is that we need to be about regarding our hearts. Let's begin looking at verses 20 through 22 and the first thing that we see is that we need to watch how we inform our hearts. You need to watch how you inform your heart. Solomon is speaking here to his son. See that? All the way back, and we know that that's often the case throughout these early Proverbs especially. You can go back to chapter 2, 3, and 4, my son. They all begin with my son, my son. And here in chapter 4, he says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. He's speaking to his son here in verse 20 again. He tells him to consider his words, to incline his ear towards understanding, to the sayings. In verses 20 through 22, Solomon instructs his son and then says, Keep them within your heart. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them, he says, within your heart. You see, Solomon is most concerned about how it is his son and sons live out his life. He's concerned that his son keeps moving along the right path, the path of wisdom, the path of righteousness. And the only way for that to happen is if the son has his heart inclined towards truth, that his heart is rightly engaged and kept. Now before we unpack that a bit more, I think it's important for us to get a little bit more specific about what we mean by the heart. Again, I said earlier, it's not the organ, it's, it's the inner you, it's the internal core of your character. And the Bible refers to the heart over some 900 times. 
When we read the Scripture, the Scripture seems to associate three particular elements or operations, we could say, within the heart. First of all, the Scripture seems to indicate that it begins with the mind. The mind. Your thoughts, your beliefs. discernment, judgments, your conscience, on and on we can go. How you think about life, the mind. It was in 1 Kings chapter 3 where Solomon prays for wisdom and the Lord grants him wisdom. And the Lord says to Solomon, I have given you a wise and discerning heart. So there he connects the heart to discernment, to, to the mind, to understanding truth. So it begins with what you believe, things you think. But it also includes our affections, the things that we desire, how we feel about certain things, our emotions, our longings. In James chapter 3, verse 12, we read, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. So there he's associating certain feelings and desires with the heart. We also know that it includes the will. We know that the will is informed by our minds and by our feelings, and it's the part of the inner person that chooses or determines what actions we take. And so just follow the the logic there. What you believe impacts what you feel, what you long for, and ultimately what you do. Or certain judgments or your conscience or your discernment leads to certain feelings or emotions, which in fact helps lead to choices you make in life. Listen, the heart is the key to everything we do. So if we, when we're thinking about our own lives and we want to see patterns of behavior change, we want to move away from unrighteousness and move towards righteousness, put off, put on, right? The New Testament language. If all we do is address external behavior, well, I'm going to quit doing this, I'm going to start doing that. Or I'm going to restructure my life in a way that's going to yield more fruitfulness. If we only start by addressing external behavior, we're only doing what you can pay PetSmart to do at doggy school. Right? You can get behavior to change. But friends, for it to be lasting change and real change, effective change, we have to deal at a heart level first if we expect ourselves and others to properly pursue and live out the wisdom that God has called us to do. What we're saying here is that concerning our hearts, our mind, our affections, and our will, we need to feed our heart well. Well, how do you do that? How does Solomon's son do this? How does he keep insight? words of Solomon in his, in his heart. How does he do that? I mean, it's not as simple as hear him s- hearing his dad's words and instructions saying, okay, that sounds really wise. I think I'll do that. I mean, let's do a, a reality check at home. Is that how it works at home? 
For you who have kids at home, if you were to say, I think that you need to heed my instruction, do your kids automatically say, you know, I think you're a very wise parent. You're right, I think I will do that. That's typically not how it goes down. Even for adults. And I think what we have here in Proverbs 4 really helps us to get a proper hold on receiving and walking in wisdom. Let's look at a couple of things here about how we keep the truth within our hearts. First of all, we need to direct our ears. Look at verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Now, we know that there are endless messages we can hear and follow today. And we are constantly hearing something. Even if it's quiet, you're hearing yourself. You're talking to yourself, right? Well, earlier in this chapter, Solomon highlights two paths. In verse 14, he says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. So he highlights path number one, pathway of the wicked. But on in verse 18, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. He there points us to the way or to the path of the righteous. And so there are two ways you can go, the path of the righteous, the path of the wicked. The way of the wicked is the way of evil, and it's to be avoided. The way of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter. And the assumption there, the implication there, is that's the path that you should choose. And since there are two paths, that means there are multiple sources from which we can hear and be instructed. And this is why Solomon is saying, be attentive to my words. You're hearing all kinds of words. You're hearing all kinds of voices and messages out there. He's saying, listen to my words. Incline your ears. I think Solomon shows us that the ear, and later we'll see the eyes, are the gateway to the heart. So the obvious implication here is that what or who you listen to matters much. You're going to, your heart, I know I'm holding my heart here, but you, your heart, all of you, inside you, the inner you, the core of your character is going to be shaped by who you listen to. That's just a fact. All of you right now are being influenced and shaped. Your heart, your, the things you believe, the things you think, the, how you feel, what your will is determining is being shaped by who you're listening to. It's just... The fact. What voices are you listening to? You know that God's word is the ultimate source of authority, and that's where we must turn for our primary source of wisdom and guidance. That's why it's so critical that we regu regularly gather for the hearing and preaching and teaching of God's word. That we not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. To do so, in fact, is sin. There are multiple reasons why we want to gather in a, an assembly like this, and one of the primary reasons is so that we can regularly be under the instruction of the truth of God's Word, so that we are hearing regularly the instruction that ultimately will shape and form who it is we are. So we need to hear God speak through the Bible. I know... When you say, well, we need to hear God speak, I know that sometimes we need to be very careful what we mean by that. A lot of times people will say, well, God told me. Be leery of that kind of thing. 
God won't tell you anything that's not backed by the book. So that's why it's important that we understand and that we regularly hear God's word. So we need to direct our ears to the right source of truth. But number two, we need to focus our eyes. Look at verse 21. Let them not escape from your sight. So not only are you hearing the words, you're seeing them. Keep them within your heart. Verse 25, he talks about the eyes looking directly forward, your gaze being straight before you. Wisdom is not only a matter of receiving the right words and listening to the right voices. He's saying, listen, let them not escape from your sight. When you receive truth from the right source, you must work hard at guarding it. Seeing, hearing, the close relatives, what we allow into our ears and what we see with our eyes will shape our hearts. So what you see, what you hear, what you embrace will go down deep into the core of who you are and that will shape you. This is why we need to tap into the right sources. You can drink water. But drinking clean water will make you healthy, while drinking polluted water will lead to all kinds of disease and various things. We need to be drinking from the pure tap. He begins the chapter with a reference to the heart. In fact, some point out that in Proverbs 4, you have the heart kind of as bookends there at the beginning at the, at the end that, that Solomon is focused on here. And he says there in verse 4, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Notice the benefit back here in verse 22. He says, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for they, words, instruction, they, wisdom, are life for those, to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Friends, who you listen to and who you look to matters much. This is why we need to be so radically committed to a high view of God's Word. We would commit to personal study of it, that we would commit to corporate worship, that we would commit to discipling relationships where we can be encouraged and, and continue, continue to be fed and, and held accountable to truth. So we need to be very intentional and in watching how we inform our hearts what you put into you will shape you you don't just live spontaneously from nothing you're, you're, what you do the decisions you make today the words you speak today the things that you're feeling right now the attitude whether you're irritable or joyful all of that is being shaped by what you're putting inside of you so we need to be very direct and very intentional about what we allow coming through our eyes and into our ears because that will shape our hearts. Number two, we need to work to guard our hearts. I've already alluded to this. Look at verse 23. This is a key verse, really a key verse in all of Scripture. Keep your heart with all vigilance, with care, with watchfulness, with 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 strength, for from it flow the springs of life. So that's what, Solomon, what I just said earlier about the heart shaping all that we do. I didn't just make that up. It's right here in verse 23. The reason we need to guard our heart and keep our heart with vigilance, with care and attention, is because from the inner you flow the springs of life. Everything that you do 
is impacted by what you think, how you feel, and what you determine. Act of your will. So this verse is the key to understanding Proverbs and really all of life. Listen, life does not flow from the outside in. Life flows from the inside out. I like what Paul Tripp says about this. He says, essentially what the Bible says is that the heart is the steering wheel of the human being. The heart controls, shapes, and directs everything you choose, say, and do. What controls the heart will therefore exercise unavoidable control over your behavior. This is why Solomon urges his son to keep his heart. See, the problem that we all know too well, the problem we all face is that, that our hearts are corrupt. I mean, we read this and we're like, okay, heart's important. We need to keep it. We need to guard it. But pastor, I, there's a problem. I've got a, I've, got, I've got a heart issue. We all do. We all have that reality. In fact, if you go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus gets to this. He says in Matthew 12, verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak when you are evil? Listen to what he says next. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Jesus is understanding there very clearly that who you are internally shapes and affects what you are externally. If you have good on the inside, good's going to come out. If you have evil on the inside, evil's going to come out. Sin starts in the heart long before it manifests itself in our behavior. This is so foundational to what we're talking about. When we, when we think about sin, we're often just thinking about actions that we've committed or maybe things we should have done and we haven't. So when you think about sin, you're thinking specific, stealing, lying, lusting, whatever. The sin comes to your mind. Well, the sin was birthed long before that action took place in your heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the prophet says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Notice the Lord says he tests the heart. He doesn't test the deeds. The deeds are a way, and we'll see that in, a, in our last point, the deeds are a way to look to the condition of the heart, but the deeds flow from the heart. This is why we, 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 we need to avoid getting caught up in legalistic behavior modification. I think that's something that has harmed the church for a long time. They're just wanting to control behavior. Listen, I, I was praying this morning, and I, and I was even praying to the Lord. Lord, I can't change anybody in this, in this congregation. I can't change me, much less could I change you. So as we open your word this morning, would you come and by your spirit change us, shape our hearts, do a work that we can't do because we have sinful hearts. 
I know we get hung up on behavior, and behavior is something we need to address. I'm not saying behavior is not important. I'm saying we don't start there. We have to go to the heart. Jesus cares just as much, if not more so, about our heart as he does our behavior because he knows that it's through the heart flows behavior. Matthew 7, verse 20, Jesus says, What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a person. This is why a works-based morality does not work. It may sound good, but a works-based morality does not work. It leads countless people to destruction. Whatever's in the heart will come out in our words and our actions and our attitudes, and so we must be a heart-shaping people, meaning that we need to address that heart level first and foremost. Scripture teaches us very important things. It teaches, number one, that we all have hearts that fail to obey God. Jeremiah 17, 9, our hearts are deceitful and wicked. In Deuteronomy, I think Moses says in, in chapter 5, verse 29, or the Lord is or speaking through Moses, and he says, Oh, that they had such a mind or heart as this always, to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them and their descendants. The point there is that they don't. But oh, that they would. We know that when we read the Scripture, the Scripture's clear that we are all fallen, and due to our own inherent depravity, we have hearts that are corrupt. We have fallen hearts. Our wills, our beliefs, our affections are all stained by the curse of sin. And so we're not starting with a clean plate here. We have to recognize up front that, okay, if life flows from the heart, i got a bad heart. The reason I have bad things flowing out of me is not because I don't have the self-discipline to stop. It's because I have a heart that is sick. And we even read in the Old Testament, Jeremiah and also in Ezekiel, that the Lord's promise in the new covenant was in fact to give us a new heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, the Lord says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. Listen, Jesus is the one who came to do that. Listen, we don't need to ask Jesus into our hearts. We need to ask Jesus to give us a new heart. That is the gospel. That is what we need. We need, to have, we need a heart transplant. Him to come and do a work. We don't need churches filled with more and more morality. We need churches filled with men and women who have been given new hearts. We don't need more behavior modification. We need more and more heart transformation. So we need to keep in mind, friends, that our greatest problem is not outside of us. Our greatest problem is inside of us. Last Saturday... I made a decision to go to Walmart. It was right before the snow hit. And so I thought I was being a servant to my wife and saying, I'll go to Walmart and get some groceries. Well, it was an experience, sanctifying experience. As you full well can imagine, maybe you were there. 
It was filled with people, and the shelves were not filled with food. And I was making my way through the aisles, increasingly frustrated and irritated. And I overheard a lady tell her husband, I think I was in her way this time, I couldn't help it. She's like, we just got to get out of this place, it's crazy, as if she was just so frustrated and at her wit's end. And at that moment, I was thinking, come on, lady, I mean, others of us have to be here too. But at that moment, the Lord showed me that actually that was my very attitude as well. Why are all these people here? I mean, don't they know that Walmart belongs to me? And I should just come and it'd be all open to me, free to me, and food limitless? Now, think about that. Why was she irritated? Why was I irritated? Was it because Walmart is lousy? I'll leave that comment aside. Was it because of the forecast? Was it because people freak out? Why was, what was the source of the irritation? It wasn't because of any of those things. It was because we have selfish hearts that want to be served as if we're the only people in the universe. You see, I wanted an endless supply of bread and milk. I wanted people to not block the aisles. I wanted people to get off their phones, literally happening, where I needed to get into a shelf and they were on their phone just having a great conversation. I wanted people to get out of my way. Do you hear the theme there? I want, I want, I want, I want. And it was at that moment when someone else said, I've got to get out of here, the Lord said to me, look how selfish you are. Your irritation and your frustration has nothing to do with Walmart. It has everything to do with your greed and your selfishness and your pride and your arrogance as if you're the only person in the world at this moment needing food before a snowstorm. See, the problem with Walmart that day was a heart that was selfish. And God in his grace has responded to this problem in the glorious message of the gospel. God comes to us in grace, and he begins a work in us that will result in the total transformation of who we are. He comes to give us new hearts, to transform us from the inside out, so that as we progressively grow in his grace, we bring more and more glory and praise to him. And friends, only Jesus can do that. Jesus came and he lived and he died so that you and I can have our sins forgiven and so that we can be given new hearts. And if you're here and, you're, and you don't know Christ, I'm telling you that's what he came to do. He came to live a life you should have lived and don't. And he came to die the death you deserve. We all deserve. He took upon himself that complete work that God required. He does himself for people just like you, and if you would simply forsake your sin by repenting of it and trusting in Christ, your sins will be forgiven, you'll be given new hearts, and you'll be welcomed into the family of God. That is the hope that we have in Christ. Salvation and sanctification all flow from the heart. That's why Solomon says we must keep our hearts with all vigilance. We must watch and protect our hearts because it is the command center of life. And it's only when you're able to see your need for a new heart and receive a new heart that you're able to esteem and honor God for who he is. 
and then live out your life in a way that he has called us to, to live in wisdom and righteousness. You see, the pathway to living in wisdom, the pathway, we could say many things, to true joy, to true contentment, to true wisdom, to true righteousness, is not changed behavior or changed circumstances. I hear that all the time. If I could just be different, or if I could just have a different situation. No, uh, the pathway to true joy and contentment and righteousness and wisdom is a properly directed and carefully protected heart. That's where we must begin. Not external, but internal. And that is hard work. By the grace of God, though, we can commit to that hard work. I love what the old Puritan John Flavel once said. He said, the keeping and right managing of the heart in every condition is one great business of a Christian's life. They care, the care they have for their hearts is the hardest work. Heart work is hard work indeed. To shuffle over religious duties with a loose and heedless spirit will cost no great pains. But to set thyself before the Lord and to tie up thy loose and vain thoughts to a constant and serious attendance upon him, this will cost thee something. What we're talking about here is no easy endeavor, but by the Spirit of God that lives within you and by a new heart that's been given to you and by the grace of God that empowers you, friends, you can do the hard work it takes. And friends, this is not a weekly work. This is an hourly work. Minute by minute, moment by moment, that we would be keeping our hearts well. So not only are we to watch how we inform our hearts and work to guard our hearts, we need to then walk wisely from the heart. You see a little example of that in verses 24 through 27. After he says that we're to keep our hearts, he says, Then put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder or make level the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So if it's true that life is driven by the heart, then we can see how, how, how true it is that our behavior ultimately reveals the condition of our hearts. So behavior is important. It re, it's a revealer. It exposes you. You think you're tricking everybody. Your behavior exposes the reality of your heart. Again, notice the aspect of the body that he's highlighting here. He's referred to the eyes and to the ears, and now he gets to the mouth and to the feet. All of that, by the way, driven by the heart. He says in verse 24 that evil speech reveals an evil heart. Verse 25, veering off the path reveals a distracted heart. The Christian has been given a new heart with new affections and new pursuits. This is why Paul says in Romans 6 verse 17, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become, listen, obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Who's he thanking? Not the person who just had enough wisdom on his own, not enough self-discipline. No, he thanks God that those who were once slaves to sin have now become obedient from the heart. 
standard of teaching. So you notice here in verse 24 and 25 or 26, he highlights two functions of the body. Number one, the mouth. The words you say reveal the condition of your heart. Evil speech reveals an evil heart, whereas good speech reveals a good heart. Jesus said it in Matthew 12, verse 34, that the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. You ever heard anybody say, or maybe you, I didn't mean to say that. Well, sure you did. (laughs) Don't lie. What you mean to say at that moment is, I'm sorry I got caught saying how I really feel. Now, we're going to have, I think, a whole sermon on the mouth, and so we'll save the rest of that for later. But just know that the mouth is a great indication of the condition of your heart. Also, our feet. Just ponder the path of your feet. Listen, pay attention to where you're walking. We are an easily distracted people. All right? it's, it's hilarious to watch people that are so engrossed in their smartphones when they're walking, right? And they trip or they hit something. You know, we've all seen the videos or maybe seen it in real life where, where it's just humiliating to see how distracted people are because they're so engrossed with what's before them, they can't even pay attention to where they're walking. Or even worse, distracted driving. I mean, on and on we could go, but it's a great picture of how we're tempted to live as people, distracted from the truth, distracted from what is right and good and shaping and righteous character. By God's grace, we must not be a distracted people. But we're easily distracted. You know, there'll be a lot in this world that will divert and distract you from the way of wisdom. In fact, if you were to go read, you can read back in chapter 1. You can read it in chapter 9, I believe, and 5, and other places about the, the way of folly. And Solomon often personifies different things in the book throughout the various Proverbs. And one of the things he personifies is the way of folly as an adulteress. That she's seductive. She lures in. That she, she, she captivates the attention and the, and the sights so that the person will give in. Well, that is the way of foolishness. That is the way of folly. It's distracting. It's distorting. It's, it will lead you down a path you do not want to be or, or go. This is exactly what we need to understand, that our hearts are, are, are in need of being properly fed from pure sources so that we live out life filled, filled with Righteousness and godliness. Friends, don't veer from the path. Notice that this implies, by the way, that this is a lifelong journey. The path doesn't stop a year after you're converted. The path only begins. It's a lifelong journey until you see the Lord, until you're with Him. Called to maintain Make level, ponder the path of our feet so that all our ways will be sure, not swerving one way or to the other, not turning our foot to the way of evil, but keeping our, foot, our feet on the path of righteousness and truth. Friends, walking in wisdom 
We're going to have a lot more to say about that in the weeks ahead. Walking in wisdom, we must understand, begins in the heart. And it shapes, the heart shapes every aspect of who we are. And what Solomon is doing here is he's saying, listen, we are called to keep our eyes focused. We are called to keep our feet straight, our ears attentive, our lips guarded. But all of that stems from having hearts that believe truth and are guarded of that truth. They're they're keeping that truth. Friends, Jesus, he wants more than your heart. He wants all of you. But he will not have all of you until he has given you a new heart. I'll just ask you as you think about these things today, what is it that the Lord may be revealing to you about your heart today? Maybe, maybe he's shown you that you have a need for a new heart. You haven't been given a new heart yet because you've not trusted in Christ. And today maybe the, the reality that, 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 that's before you is that I need I need to be saved. I need, I need to be in a relationship with Christ so that I can trust in Him and follow Him. And that requires me receiving a new heart. And if that is you, friend, I would just encourage you to call upon the Lord Jesus and ask Him for that. The fact that if you're even thinking along those lines, that is the, likely the work of the Holy Spirit revealing to you that need and, and perhaps drawing you to Himself. Cry out to the Lord to save you and to give you a new heart. Christians, you know, when you think about this passage, all of us should be asking the question, well, what is the Lord revealing to me about my heart now, today? What is my heart exposing? What is my behavior revealing about the condition of my heart? What does it say? Things that you're saying, the things that you're doing, the things that you're feeling, attitudes. What do your hearts reveal? Friend, are you watching how you inform your heart? Are you putting things into your heart that are life-shaping and God-glorifying? Are you just being careless? Just kind of letting everything flow in? Kind of letting the dust settle and whatever happens, happens? Are you vigilantly guarding your heart? Are you walking wisely from the heart? Listen, this is hard work, and only by God's grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit, can you live in a way that Solomon instructs here. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Why? Because from the heart flow the springs of life. Brothers and sisters, let's be diligent, and let us be faithful at guarding and keeping the hearts that God has given us, all to his glory and praise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this instruction. We thank you that you faithfully show us what is true. And for this reality today, Lord, we thank you that we can understand that the things that we say and the things that we do are, in fact, reflections of who we are internally. And so, Lord, it may be that we need to be reoriented to think rightly today. Instead of thinking that, that life kind of flows from the outside in, Lord, would you help reconfigure our understanding, the reality that life flows from the inside out, 
that our greatest problem is not people around us or circumstances. Our greatest problem is our own heart. And so, Father, would you give us new hearts? Would you strengthen those that you have given new hearts? And would you help our hearts to be shaped by truth and righteousness? Father, only you know where we are today, and only you know the real, true condition of our hearts. So, Father, would you help us see? Would you help us to respond in repentance today? And, Father, would you help us to be faithful this week of informing our hearts rightly, of guarding our hearts faithfully, and living out a life that reflects righteous hearts to your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.